as I said in Ephesians chapter 3, if you want to turn there. It's been kind of interesting over the last, uh, I guess, three weeks. The Lord has been working on my heart as far as obedience of sharing the gospel with others. And then, of course, Pastor Humphrey goes and starts off on the commandments of God. The commands of God. Go ye therefore. And then he goes back and starts talking about all the other commands of God. But what do they all tie into? The gospel. What was Christ's desire in everything that he said, everything that he did? It was to draw all men to God. So as we go through a uh, few verses in Ephesians chapter 3 tonight, um, I may end up just reading this more than speaking freely, but the burden that's been put on my heart, like I said, is just is the challenge that am I being the Christian that God desires me to be? Um, we know it has been talked many Matthew chapter 28 go ye therefore and teach all nations that was given to the church that command is given to us you know it's easy to say the church's command is to go and witness but who makes up the church? Me, you. We are a called out, local called out assembly for Christ. And so instead of pitchforking it over and saying, yep, I agree with that wholeheartedly and expecting the person behind us to do it, Let's just go ahead, if you please, if, you, if the liberty's there tonight, to really just take it on yourself. Say, does this apply to me? Am I guilty of this? Could I be doing more? Questions that I'll ask at the end, I'm going to ask now as well. You know, are, are we in a position where we say, yes, I understand that I can't be like the Apostle Paul because he was called to preach. But in the end, was the maniac of Kadera called to preach? Was the woman at the well called to preach? No. What did they do? They simply went and told what Christ had done for them and lives were changed. We want to see something happen here in Alaska. We want to see something happen in Fairbanks North Pole. And we say, God, you promise in your word that you can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. Well, I can think pretty big. 
but am I limiting God? That's a big thing to think about. Am I limiting God's work of salvation in the life of somebody? And we step back, we say, oh, what do you mean? We can't limit God. God's almighty. But if I am not being the mouthpiece to the people around me, that may be the only opportunity for someone to hear. Or the opportunity for you and your workplace or or whatever. We may have a good testimony. You know, people say, yep, he believes in God. He's he's a good man. He, He doesn't curse. He doesn't do anything that I would view as wrong. He even gets after me when I speak the name of Christ in vain. But do we take it, do I take it, to the next step? So my question to start off with is, have you ever thought about the fact that you can limit God's work of salvation? Let's go ahead and pray. Precious Father, Lord, we come to you tonight and we do thank you for the love that you have for us. God, we thank you that you desire to use us, weak, inconsistent, sometimes full of pride, sometimes double-minded, to be your mouthpiece. Just ask, Lord, that you would help me tonight to convey what you have laid upon my heart, convicted me of, Lord, in my own life. And that, Father, even tonight, that you would um, take me, take us as a church, and move us, Lord, from being hearers of your word, acknowledging that what is said is true and do something about it. Help me, Lord, please. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So as we look into Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 20 and 21, and then we'll get started here. Paul says in verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly or exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. According to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So as we start this lesson, I ask my question, 
And even as we think about Noah tonight, we say, well, God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. So we see the heart here is that there's complete faith in God, trust in Him to do anything, anything and above and beyond. I mean, you know, I, again, I think about the, the maniac of Kadera, as, as Pastor was talking about him just a couple weeks ago. Here is this man. They couldn't chain him. They couldn't clothe him. They couldn't do anything with him. And yet with a word from our Savior, he's sitting there clothed in his right mind. Nobody could think that that was ever going to happen. They tried. There was no 12-step program to fix him. They tried. Everything they could do, they tried. But my God is able. And we can just leave it right there. My God is able. So in verse 1 of chapter 3, He says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. You know, he says, for this cause. And it's like the therefore and wherefore. And I mean, you see it, and what do you got to do? You got to go back. What's he talking about? For what cause? What's he talking about? can't start off in the middle of something. So if you go back to chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, there's a therefore, but follow me here. It says, now, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the fact of salvation. It's where he's going back to. So again, now when we look at verse 1, where he says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the Gentiles. He said, what's the cause? The cause is to bring people to Christ. The cause is we were to go to John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever just park right there again for a second. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, so he's, Paul's talking to the Gentiles here. But we also know that Paul had a heart for the Jews, right? So we start seeing Paul's heart is not 
singularly focused on one people group. His desire is for the Gentiles as well. And even if you were to go to Romans 10 and 10 through 13, we again in, in verse 11 it says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him. Verse 12, For there is no difference between the Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There was an issue where some of the, the Jews in Jerusalem were having issues with the Gentiles being saved as pastors gone over. Oh, well, they need to do this and they need to do that. And we've got to separate from them. And even with Peter, we saw how you know, he was reluctant to be caught with the Gentiles when the Jews came around. Oh, well, you know, I got to be over here. You know, I got to have a little bit of separation. You know, John, you know, when, when Christ was telling him to go to the Gentiles, he was like, ah, the whole vision, you know, he was like, don't call unclean what I have called clean. So we have those. Even Christ, when he was here on the earth, he didn't go to just the Jews, right? I mean, he came to his own, his own, his own received him not. He went to Samaritans. You have Cornelius. I mean, all of these different people that were not just Jews. And so there is a heart there. Galatians 1, verses 4 through 6. Galatians 1, verse 4 through 6. who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So the reason why I bring that up is because of the fact that there's only one gospel. There's not a separate gospel for the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. With that said, that someone had to go. Right? For how shall they hear without a preacher. Now, it doesn't have to be technically a person that is called and anointed by the church and sent out. We can all be a preacher of the gospel. We can all bear the truth of the gospel. So for this cause, sharing the gospel, the true truth 
that Christ Jesus came to the earth to save sinners. To save me. Thirty, I think it was 33 years, I can't remember. I could be getting it mixed up with Brother Girth because Brother Girth was 33 years old, right? 32. 32. So I was 33. 33 years that I was running. 33 years of saying, oh, well, I'm good enough because I'm doing this. You know, I was raised in church. I sat there in the pew. I heard the sermons. I knew the things to say. I knew the things to do. I knew how to look good. I knew how to play the game to where, you know, everybody thought I was doing good over here. But in all reality... I was a whited sepulcher. Dead men's bones on the inside and everything looked good on the outside. But the truth of the gospel finally broke through my heart and heart. And I yielded. But only maybe partly. I mean, I know I'm saved, but I'm not the mouthpiece that God wants me to be. So we look at Paul's life, we know that his, his heart was for mankind. We know that he desired to see all men saved, just as Christ did. We know that he had a heart for his countrymen, that he wanted to see the Jews saved. And he was going to do everything he could to witness to them, even if he knew that it meant that he was going to suffer great persecution, even if it meant that he was going to be thrown in prison. He counted it all but loss. And as we go and we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, just go there right now because it ties in with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 23. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without the law being not without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker thereof with you. So again, we're looking at Paul's heart here. He's like, you know, whatever I got to do, wherever I got to go, that's what I'm going to do. You know, there's countless times that we can see where, you know, Paul just, he did. He just, it wasn't that he threw caution to the wind, but he's like, you know, 
this is going to happen probably, but I'm going to serve my Lord. You know, even his pastor talked, uh, was talking on Sunday about, you know, <laughs> being with less anxiety. You know, Paul and Silas are in prison, bound. And what are they doing? They're just praising the Lord. Singing songs, praising the Lord. Whatever God allows to happen, He's going to allow to happen. If He wants me out of this situation, He'll get me out of it. But Paul, even in that point, was using that opportunity to do what? Praise God, give Him glory, let others know that there's a life outside of what this world has to offer. So as we sit there and we look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. We could say it this way, that Paul in his love for souls in general, but for the souls of the Gentiles, his love for them and desire to see them saved, I'm a prisoner of Christ. I've given all. You know, prisoners, especially in those days and especially in the Roman prisons, didn't have a whole lot of rights, didn't have a whole lot of things to, to offer. But yet, Paul's attitude was, I'm a prisoner of God. I'm a servant of God. I'm a minister of God. And I'm an apostle of God. All things that Christ allowed into his life. Some would say that, you know, um, Paul just traded his allegiance. You know, when he was with the Sanhedrin, he was tenacious. He was, you know, this is the letter of the law. This is what we got to do. And when, you know, when he got saved, he's like, oh, well, just, you know, I was wrong, and so I'm just changing my allegiance and keeping my tenacity. No, I, I don't think so. I think Paul, there's, there's a difference between serving the letter of the law and loving your Lord and serving your Lord. And when Paul was part of the Sanhedrin, yes, he was very tenacious and he was very um, much overzealous even to go and drag people out of their homes and out of the churches and, and to punish them for following Christ. But when Paul saw the Lord, in that moment he said, "What Lord, what would thou have me to do? He knew that he was going to face persecution. He knew that Things in his life was not going to be easy, but what did he do anyways? He served. In all of his persecutions, though, there were actually people that were emboldened by said persecutions. You go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. It 
says, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all, play, all the palace and all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So even with everything that's going on in Paul's life, and he's, he's in prison and all these things, because they're seeing that he's still bold for Christ, he's still pushing, he's not letting it hold him back. It's emboldening, it's encouraging, it's strengthening the brethren like, yeah. This is something that is important. I'm willing to even die for. And so we come back and apply into our own life. And this is where I, I would say that God has really been working in my life over the last few weeks or longer even. But the challenge of being, am I that mouthpiece? Do I find myself maybe recoiling from an opportunity to share the gospel? Do I find myself being a little shy or timid because I don't want to offend somebody? I don't want them to think that I'm weird. I don't one of those crazy people, one of them Jesus freaks or, or whatever. My heart needs to change. One of the things that Christ had told the disciples in John chapter 15, it says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Again, this is something that Paul knew firsthand. He, he knew it as the aggressor. He knew it as the person that was going out and taking them to put them in prison, to have them killed. I counted all but loss, is what he said. All these things that I was before, I counted all but loss. You know, I... Because of, because of Paul's stance with the Sanhedrin and then knowing what he was going to be going to when he accepted Christ and standing up for Christ, um, I think it made it a whole lot easier for him to say in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, never yet, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Or Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech ye therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Laying it all on the altar. Giving it all. You know, um, 
in the end, we can say that Paul's heart was 100% given to God, 100% salvation, 100% of the time. God's word promises us in Ephesians 3.20, like I said, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, right? John 14, verses 13 and 14, it says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So, one of the things that I was starting to... I would say, feel like, man, why aren't we seeing things happen with our ministry? Why aren't we seeing things change? Why aren't we seeing, you know, things happen with the native ministry? Because when I, I mean, God's word's true, right? It says, anything we ask in his name, he'll do, Right? So we want to see lives change. We want to see people saved. We want to see things happen. But here I am. Lord, I'm so glad that you're using Seth to talk to a guy at work. God, I'm glad that you're putting Caleb in in the life of, how is it? Jed. And, you know, and, and Daniel is, is, was talking with the Svensons. These are all great things, Lord. I'm, I'm glad you're working there. Let me... Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, God. But why aren't you saving people? I'm good. I don't know. Maybe I... Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm... Like I said, this is, this is more for me. This is what God's been working on my heart. Convicting me of. You know, I, I would say, no, I don't feel like I'm called to preach. God doesn't call the capable. He calls the willing. Anyways. So two contributing factors of why we don't see a lot of people getting saved. Well, one, when God designed us, He didn't design us to be robots. He did give us a choice. He did give us a will. He did give us the opportunity to decide who will I serve. Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve Satan? So you could look at John 3 verses 18. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Right? So we know this is true. But then we have the second part of that, which I've already kind of alluded to, is the fact that we have 
you and I. We accept the Great Commission was giving to the local body to be going and telling and witnessing and being sowers of the seed of gospel. Jordan, you're working on trying to get a yard going, right? And you go out there and you till it and you rake it and you do all these things. It's not going to grow anything unless you put seed down, right? And even that has to be good seed because sometimes it just, that doesn't even work. But the point being is if I go and I put a button on my lip and I don't tell anybody, there's no seed going out. And yet I'm sitting here going, Lord, why aren't we seeing people saved? Why aren't we seeing lives changed? Is my life changed? Am I the mouthpiece that God desires me to be? So we look at Paul's life. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was stoned, persecuted, left for dead. They drug him out of the city and threw him in the side of the road because they thought he was dead. He gets up. Dusts off his clothes. What's he do? He goes right back to it. And here I am. I'm afraid someone might think I'm a little crazy. Some of y'all already know I am, but that's a whole other issue. So, Pastor Humphrey kind of stepped on my toes a little bit on Sunday. I mean, on my sermon. He talked about Demas just a little bit. And unfortunately, it's kind of where I think a lot of us are. Again, this is just how I feel, what I read in God's Word. 2 Timothy verses 4, or chapter 4, verse 10. Paul writes, and he says, Demas, Demas, hath forsaken me. And the next phrase states it all. Having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Domitia. So we know He had a change in his life. We know that he was saved. But there was something that happened. There was something that happened to him. And he decided, I'm done. I'm checking out. I'm done doing this evangelistic stuff. Now, whether it was because he, you know, just wanted to have a comfortable bed, whether, you know, he had been persecuted with Paul enough that he almost died, and he's like, okay, that was close enough. I don't want any more. When we go back to the verse, it says, having loved this present world. So in the fact that he loved the present world and left Paul, we know that 
he decided he was done. And so in God's word, we really, for the most part, we see basically two Christians. We see the Pauls, the Timothys, Peter, those that are sold out for God, and those that chose the easier path and loved this present world and the easy things. So back to my original question, have you ever considered or thought about the fact that you could be a limiting factor in the salvation of an individual? It may only be one person in your whole life that will actually listen to what you got to say. But if at that point you decide to keep your mouth shut. I know there's a lot of times people listen to what I have to say about things, but most times it's like a fracture or man, this cast is really itchy or, you know, it's, you start talking about God and they're like, mm. most times they just kind of go, Hoo-hoo. blank out. Yep. Okay. Sure. I'll let you go ahead and talk about whatever you're going to talk about, but we're done. You know, thinking about the fact that um, Mike had mentioned the friend with the health issues and possibly losing her eyesight. Morgan had the coworker with the baby that was having health issues. My neighbor, specific coworkers that we work with that we know are lost, each and every one of us has an individual. And even right now, as you think about it, you don't have to think long. Maybe three seconds. There's a name that's on your heart. There's a name that God just put in your mind. Oh, yeah. What about that person? Seth is going to be going home to family. We need to keep him in prayer. Because what's Seth going to do when he gets to family? He's going to give him the gospel. One more time. One more opportunity. Oh, that we would be bold for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you seized the opportunity? Have you turned it away? So we look at verses 20 and 21 again of Ephesians chapter 3. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, According to the power that worketh in us, unto who? Unto Him be the glory in the church, by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Amen. So the conclusion, the challenge. 
Is it to give God the glory in his church? Or is it to be Demas and love the things of this present world? Let's pray.